Welcome to the RAF Mildenhall Protestant Parish Podcast. As you prepare your heart to receive today's word, we pray that you are encouraged, inspired, and uplifted. Hallelujah. We owe it all to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Be seated in God's presence. Praise God for our worship team ushering us into the presence of the Lord. So grateful to be here this morning, to be alive and well, and see all of your beautiful faces and watch all of you log on at home. This morning, we're talking about a real subject. We're talking about when following God feels inconvenient. When following God feels inconvenient. And coming from Matthew 26, verses 39 through 41. And I'll begin to read. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When following God feels inconvenient. Let's pray. Father and eternal God, thank you for being able to break the bread of life with one another. I thank you for those who are here and able to sup with us, O oh God, are encountering your presence, encountering your truth that comes from your word. Bring revelation knowledge, bring enlightenment, Father God, that your people may hear, understand, and have revelation in their own lives according to your perfect will and according to your perfect word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I, I know the heart of every true, devout Christian is to follow God. And in fact, it's an, it's an instruction that Jesus gives his disciples and for all those who believe. And he says in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. With that, so we, we die daily. We die daily to this flesh to remember the inheritance of the supernatural righteousness of God that has been afforded to us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that covers us and sanctifies us and fully equips us. And it's to be used by God and to be engrafted into his most harmonious plan, the Bible says, and his perfect will for our lives. So it does take us denying ourselves in the sense of denying oh, for the purpose of pursuing the perfect will of God. It takes us putting down fleshy desire, what we think is right. The Bible says, don't take the way that seemeth right because the end thereof is death. But the, denying ourselves our will for God's will. And we've all been there. I know in, in, in my life, if we're left up to the path that I thought I was going to take, 
the goals that I wanted to accomplish, the things that I wanted to achieve for my life, my life would be very different. It would look very different right now. Anybody else, would your life look different if you had, your plans had gone the way you wanted them to go? So the call to ministry for me on my life was from an early age, and I thought, I thought legit, I thought I was gonna be a therapist. I thought I was gonna be in an office seeing people and people would come in and go. I got my degree, undergrad degree in psychology and philosophy of religion, and I was going to have a clinical psychology practice, practice and then like see people also for Christian counseling. That was, that was my thing, that's what I was gonna do. And I like to help people, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a quiet person by nature, I know you can't tell that, but I'm a quiet person by nature, and I'm, I'm very much so a much better listener than I am a speaker. And plus, my mother, and God bless her heart, she did the best she could. She didn't believe in women ministers. She said that was wrong. We, we would be at church, and if a woman minister got up to preach, she would leave. I would stay, but she would leave. And so what did I do with this big part of me that was called as, as a young girl to serve and minister? How, what, what do I do with that if my mom says that's, that's not okay? That, that's not good. It's no good. And so I ran from the call to ministry, all the way from childhood through adulthood. I was actually in a doctoral program for clinical psychology because I was still going my way that I thought I was going to go. And, you know, I'm not, none of us are quitters, right? So I'm in this doctoral program, and after one year, it just becomes miserable, and I quit. I don't quit. Like, we don't do that, you know? So that was, my pride was hurt that I had to quit. And then I quit and went to seminary. And even in seminary, in my homiletics class, I would get up and say, I wouldn't preach for my sermon. I would say, this is a presentation on a book of Matthew. I'm not about to preach. I'm about to tell y'all what it say. And I'm going to sit down and we're going to go home. I still rejected it, even at my graduation. My mom thought she was coming to a graduation, uh, at my seminary graduation. She thought she was coming to a graduation of me in my clinical psychology degree. And she, yeah, I tricked her. I know. I know. And she, she didn't know, though. I kept it a secret. She didn't, she didn't really know. She's like, oh, that was a very religious uh, graduation ceremony. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it a very religious graduation. May she rest in peace. I was just playing, Ma. I was trying to do the will of the Lord. You know, I was going through some things. You know. So my, my calling had to be watered down in order to make sure that I was pleasing everybody else and staying a, 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 according to my path that I thought that I was going to take. So I went kicking and screaming into ministry. And becoming a minister of the gospel was inconvenient for what I thought I was built to do. When I thought my personality was suited for it, I thought my personality was suited for seeing people one-on-one, -on -one, counseling, that, that came natural to me. I love doing that. My, my greatest joy, one of my greatest joys, is still now today, is walking with somebody in their journey, in their darkest moments. When somebody shares their tears with me, that's sacred. I, that, that, that brings me joy to do that. And so following God felt in inconvenient to my lifestyle and my plans for myself. I had to rearrange everything that I thought I knew about myself and just trust God. You want to know what one of my biggest fears was being called to ministries? It, it wasn't, you know, so I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm not afraid of, like, closed spaces. I'm not afraid of, like, heights. I was afraid of public speaking. <laughs> I was afraid of public speaking. I felt like during this time where God was fashioning me to kind of turn me toward doing his will, I literally felt like I was losing my mind. And I was. I was losing my mind for the sake of gaining the mind of Christ. I had to rearrange how I was thinking about myself to the way God thinks about me. I had to take up my cross 
and remind myself that I can take that fear of public speaking and, and take the fear of disappointing my mama and the fear of doing something that I'm uncomfortable with and the fear of aborting my plan for my career path and, and my life and give it to God. I was trying to tell God what I was built to do. How is the product going to tell the manufacturer what the product is built for? He made you. He says, I know my plans for you. You think you know, you don't know. I know my plans for you. And they're plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future and expect it in. So if you're following God and, and he's calling you to do something and it feels inconvenient in your flesh and it feels uncomfortable, remember that he has already equipped you with everything that you need to fulfill that purpose. He's already equipped you. It is finished. You were born finished. So it, it might feel uncomfortable and inconvenient to your flesh, but the flesh has no say. You don't belong to the flesh. We belong to God. And that's what keeps, that's what keeps, I know that's what keeps me humble. That's what keeps us humble is, is when we, we know we have no way of knowing how to do the things that God has called us to. We, you know, we're, we're gifted and talented in, in other things, but some of the things we know we're not gifted and talented in and we end up doing them and doing them well, you know it's not you. There's no way. God did that. That should keep us humble. You are not your own. And that's why we have to deal. That's why we got to deal with our issues. The things that we know that we struggle with in this human existence and bring them to the cross and leave it there and follow God. He will care for us. I know that burdens, the trials of life, they're heavy. But if you just bring it to the cross and allow God to minister to those painful areas, he will be the lifter up of your head. He will lift the burden for you. Think of yourself as bringing the cross with you, taking up your cross, not for the sake of carrying a burden, but for the sake of knowing that the Lord is a burden bearer. And when you lift the cross, it's for the sake of nailing those negative things to the cross, nailing the strongholds to the cross. So you're not carrying the burden any longer than it takes you to carry it to give it away. The only reason you're taking that burden up is to give it to God. The only reason why you should be taking those things that God has delivered you from into your hands is to say, here, God, and leave it at the cross. So when we take up the cross, that's not, we're not taking up a burden. We're taking up God's grace for our burden. Psalm 68, 19 says, Praise be to the Lord, to the God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. You're not supposed to bear it. You're not supposed to pick it up other than to give it away. He is the bearer of our burdens. So when you take up your cross, it's, it's taking it up in order to nail your sin to it. It's taking it up in order to nail your sorrow to it, your shame to it, your guilt to it, and put it to death. This is why Jesus died, to take away the burden of our sinful flesh. Back in the times of, of Jesus' life in the, in the first century, a person carrying a cross, if you saw a person carrying a cross, you know what that meant. That meant death. They was about to die. So likewise, when you take up your cross, it's representative of the death of your flesh, the death of the old mindset, the death of those things that kept you 
in bondage. It's representative of you dying daily. So taking up the cross is not taking up your burdens, but rather picking up God's grace for your soul. Taking up your cross is dying daily to the flesh, denying the self, and remembering that you are now under the law of grace by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Picking up your cross is a reminder to surrender your pain. It's a reminder to surrender your life. It's a reminder that the issues that you are faced with are to be put to death. That's why he died. So that you can put sin and shame and and death, physical death, get it out of here. He's died for you. You don't have to bear it. He is the burden bearer. You are delivered. Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when you think of a yoke, you think of um, animal oxen and the yoke around their neck. To, this, the purpose of the yoke around their neck is to keep them on the right path. He says, my yoke is easy. If I put my yoke on you, it's going to be easy. It's just to keep you on the right path. And the burden is light. Why is it light? Because I'm carrying it. The burden is light. So we have to stop holding on to the fleshy nature and the strongholds and trying to carry that stuff, trying to carry that bondage because Jesus already took care of it. And so when we die daily and we take up the cross, we're, it's as if we're re-nailing it to the cross. Like, nope, I'm not going to carry that. That belongs on the cross. That's dead. I'm dead to that stronghold. I'm dead to that sin. He died so that I can take my rightful stance in him. I am the righteousness of God. Yes. And amen. And so you just be reminded to leave it at the cross and, and follow Christ's lead, even though at times following God, it just, it feels inconvenient. And to the flesh, that's just going to be the case. The flesh, when is the flesh going to want what God wants? Following God is going to feel inconvenient to the flesh. So Jesus and the disciples knew firsthand how following God can feel inconvenient. And we see this when Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And Gethsemane uh, also means the place of the crushing, place of the crushing. And it was just after the Last Supper where Judas dips his hand in the dish with Jesus and by default reveals himself as Jesus's betrayer. And then later, uh, Jesus also tells Peter that, hey, Peter, by the way, you're also going to deny me three times before the rooster crows, before the early morning comes. You're going to deny me three times. And so Jesus is about to be arrested. He knows his disciples are going to betray him in some way, shape, or form, Judas and Peter. And he's about to fulfill his work on the cross. Jesus was under significant stress. He's about to die a horrific death. He's about to be tortured. He's about to be humiliated. And he's, he's about to go to the cross and he's, he's under distress. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he takes three disciples with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, Matthew 26, 36 through 38. Then Jesus came with them to, to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, 
and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. Now, this is something interesting because I wonder why Jesus took Peter. Because Jesus knew that Peter was going to betray him. Why would you have that kind of, you know, wishy-washy individual with you at your most horrible moments in your life? Why would you take Peter with you, Jesus? And I just thought about it. I said, you know, that's just a wonderful display of God's grace for us, even when we stray. He draws us with his loving kindness. And instead of pushing us away further, he brings us closer to him. He brings us to those intimate moments with him, knowing that we will eventually at some point go off the path that he has planned for us. What a loving display of God's grace. Matthew 26, 39 through 41. Here we go. Going a little further. So Jesus is there with Peter, James, and John. He's, he's about to go to the cross. He's under a lot of pressure. He knows Peter's going to deny him. He knows Judas is going to betray him. He knows he's going to have a terrible death. He knows it's going to be painful. He knows he's going to be in agony. He knows he's going to be disrespected. But he goes to Gethsemane to pray and brings Peter, James, and John with him. He doesn't want to be alone. He wants some support. So going a little further, as he's in Gethsemane, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed. Jesus is stressed out, okay? He's praying to God. He says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. I said Jesus is stressed out. Some of you looked at me funny. He was stressed out, okay? Luke twenty-two forty-four, 44, Luke's account of the gospel when, this is, when he goes to the garden of Gethsemane to pray. It says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus began to sweat blood. This is known as a actual condition of the body, a medical condition, hematohydrosis. It's when someone who's under extreme levels of stress and pressure, the blood vessels around the sweat glands begin to burst and what comes out of the pores is blood. So Jesus is stressed out to the point where he's sweating blood. His body, his physical body, is inconvenienced, would you say, at this point, even though he's following God. He's stressed out, but he's following God. He's under pressure, but he's following God. He's inconvenienced, but he's following God. So I'm telling you that if you're inconvenienced following God, you're in good company. Anybody inconvenienced? You've been inconvenienced before, and it's not going the way you thought it would, but you're still following God? Yeah, you're in good company. You're in good company. And he still was obedient even until the point of death. And, and even more so, we, we, we get the, the idea that Jesus kind of really, in, in his physical man, didn't want to do this because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he keeps going back and prays the same prayer. He goes, okay, God, if this is not your will, how about you take this cup from me and Okay, nothing. Okay, let me go check on the disciples. Okay, they're still sleeping. Hey, Lord, uh, I know I asked you just a couple minutes ago, but hey, did you hear me? If this is not your will, you can go on ahead and we can forget about all this and we can, you know, do it another way if you like. No, it's still your will. Okay. And then he goes a third time. He goes a third time back to God and asks the same thing. God, if this be your will, if it's not your will, God, please take this cup from me because I'm in agony. This is not convenient for me. This is hurting me. 
But if it's your will, let your will be done. Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He did this three times. If you keep reading, it goes three times they do this. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping and says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Now, we know that Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him three times. And then he asks him, why were you sleeping? Like, Jesus, aren't, why are you surprised? I don't think that Jesus was surprised. But perhaps he was telling Peter, I'm trying to help you with something. That thing that I told you you were going to do, deny me three times, if you were to just learn how to watch and pray right here, you could have been able to resist the temptation. I'm trying to teach you something, Peter. Perhaps that's what Jesus was saying. But he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So how do we not fall into temptation of succumbing to the flesh is we have to watch and we have to pray. And at this point, when they were watching, that would have caused them to be awake. So they would have to take their physical body into subjection of the spirit and say, nope, I'm going to stay awake physically. I'm just going to stay awake spiritually. I'm, I'm going to stay awake. I'm going to watch. And I'm going to pray. Praying what? Praying the will of God. Praying the word of God. That's what you need to do in order not to fall into the temptation of the flesh. Watch and pray. Keep your spiritual eye open. Keep your physical eye open. Watch and pray. Okay. I said everything I just said to get to this right here. This is my favorite part right here. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You heard that before. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what do you do when you are feeling like following God is inconveniencing you? You have to walk in the spirit. The Bible says walk in the spirit so that you do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So what do you do when you feel inconvenienced by following God, but I feel inconvenienced? you got to tap into the spirit because the flesh is weak, but the spirit is always willing. Your spirit in you is always willing. So you can't say that I'm going to do this in my own flesh. I'm going to do this in my, my, my natural, my carnal desire. You can't do that and win because the flesh is weak. It's okay to be weak, but you as a spirit being, need to tap into the spirit because the spirit is always willing. The spirit is always willing. When I'm sleepy, the spirit is always willing. When I'm angry, the spirit is always. When I'm anxious, the spirit is always willing. When I'm fearful, the spirit is always willing. When I'm doubtful, the spirit is always willing. You got to tap in. You got to tap in. When you're inconvenienced in your flesh, you got to tap into the spirit because the spirit is always willing and you will always win in the spirit. How? Because he already won. That triumphant winning spirit is already and he will cause you to triumph. The spirit of God will cause you to triumph, but you can't remain in the flesh because the flesh, the flesh is weak. So, so what do we do when, when, when your flesh is inconvenienced? And following God, you got to tap in. Somebody say tap in. Tap in. You got to tap into the spirit. The spirit is always it's the flesh that is weak. So you don't need to feed the flesh. You don't need to agree with the trouble. You don't need to call that negative friend that's going to cause you to kind of spiral down. 
but you need to tap into the things of God, the word of God, your worship, like-minded, Christ-like individuals to lift you up and draw you nearer to the cross. Pick up your cross, your reminder of your grace that you have in God. Pick up your cross, take up your cross. And remember to nail the doubt to it, the strongholds to it, the I can'ts to it, because the main tool or weapon that the enemy has is deception. If he can get you to believe the lie, he got you. Nail your issues to the cross. Now, you have to go get the issues. You do have to get the issues. You cannot ignore the issues. Let's keep it real. Deal with your issues now. Get your issues. Pick it up, but only long enough to give it to God. Get your issues. Nail it to the cross. Let God deal with it. Let God handle it and tap into the spirit because the spirit is always willing even when the flesh is weak. Even when it doesn't feel good and you're following God, it's going to work out for you. All things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. All things will work together so following God may not feel good all the time to the flesh. I, it, it won't most times feel good to the flesh, but it's not supposed to. That's why we die daily to the flesh and the things of the flesh, because your carnal nature is weak. But the spirit of God is always willing and is always winning. You got to tap in. I'm through. Let's pray. Father and eternal God. Thank you for victory in the spirit. Thank you that you are always praying for us, making intercession. You were always fighting for us. That even when our flesh feels inconvenience, thank you for the power of the spirit that's always willing to war on our behalf. That's always before us and behind us and beside us and within us. That's always triumphant. That always has the victory. Help us to always remember to take up our cross and remind ourselves of the grace that we have in you. The spirit of grace on the inside of us. Paul said in Romans 7, that which I don't do, I do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do that. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? And you go on to say, the spirit of God will. The spirit of God will. Because the spirit of God is always willing. It's always working for us. Help us to tap in. Show us new ways to find you, oh God. Show us new ways to grow in you. Show us new ways to love. Show us new ways to give. Show us new ways to embrace your plan for our lives. And we're inconvenienced. We know that you're still working on our behalf. And we choose the cross. We choose to believe in the power of your grace to save us from ourselves. Thank you for what you've done. We walk in it, we live in it, we breathe in it, we move in it. We have our being in you, oh God. Thank you for the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and share. Thank you for stopping by our station. And until next time, may the peace of God be with you.